Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this installment of California Employment News, an informative video and podcast resource offered by the Labor and Employment Group at Weintraub Tobin. My name is Megan Bainbridge, and I'm a shareholder in the firm's Labor and Employment Group. Today, I am joined by my partner, Lucas Clary, and we will be discussing a few cases that we are watching as we go into 2023. Lucas, what's one case you're watching? Yes, thanks, Megan. So the first case we want to talk about that we'll be monitoring this year is Camp versus Home Depot. This is a case before the California Supreme Court, and it involves rounding practices. As a quick recap, rounding is the practice where an employer rounds an employee's actual time worked up and down by, say, a quarter of an hour or some similar measurement. So, for example, if a total shift is six hours and two minutes, the time would be rounded down to six hours. But if a total shift was six hours and nine minutes, it would be rounded up to 6.25, six and a quarter hours. That's rounding. Now, for a good decade, the law in California regarding rounding practices was governed by a case called Seize Candy Shop versus Superior Court. That case held that rounding practices were okay as long as two criteria were met. First, the policy had to be neutral on its face, meaning it was not designed to undercompensate employees. Second, in practice, the rounding had to also be neutral, meaning it could not result in underpayment of the workforce as a whole. So that was the settled case law that we've all been used to, enter camp versus Home Depot. In this case, the Court of Appeal reversed the holding in Seize Candy and determined that Home Depot's rounding policy was invalid. The court relied on recent precedent and a couple of other cases, holding respectively that rounding was not permitted with regard to meal and rest breaks, and that de minimis off-the-clock work was unlawful. Relying on those line of cases, the Camp v. Home Depot court concluded that because employees must be compensated for all time worked, rounding was invalid where an employer had the employees exact clock in and out times. Now, the Court of Appeal knew that they were going against established precedent with this ruling, so they expressly, in the opinion, invited the California Supreme Court to review the case. And that's what the California Supreme Court has agreed to do. We're hoping we'll have a ruling on this case sometime in 2023. We'll be watching for it. In the meantime, employers should tread carefully with rounding practices and consult with legal counsel before implementing. So that's CAMP. Megan, what other cases bear monitoring in 2023? It will be fairly interesting to see what the court does there as it will be have fairly broad implications for all employers. I know I'm watching a couple of cases that have quite a bit of impact on the litigation of PAGA cases. The first case um, I'm watching is the Estrada versus Royalty Carpet Mills Inc. case. And in that case, the California Supreme Court will resolve a split that's developed between appellate courts regarding whether trial courts can strike or limit unmanageable pocket claims. In one of the early California Employment News episodes, we spoke about the Wesson case, which was where a court found that because of the highly individualized inquiry that would be necessarily conducted to determine whether PAGA penalties could be awarded, it was within the court's inherent authority to manage that litigation to strike those claims. Shortly thereafter, a different court came to the opposite decision than Wesson. There, the Estrada court, while also expressing concern about unmanageable claims, explained that where claims involve hundreds or thousands of alleged aggrieved employees, each with unique factual circumstances, the court may render a trial manageable by limiting the presentation of evidence and witnesses, but not by striking or limiting the claims. The Supreme Court will resolve this split. And of course, if the court were to uphold the Wesson Court's reasoning, it could have a profound impact on limiting PAGA claims brought on behalf of hundreds and even thousands of employees. 
The second case I'm watching involves a frustrating situation employers sometimes find themselves in where they are simul simultaneously defending two or more pocket cases brought by different employees. Often these claims involve the same issues, the same employees, the same time period, but there's multiple of them. And in such circumstances, the employer may wish to resolve one of the pocket cases and extinguish the claims being asserted, not only in that case, but in any other litigated cases. The question is, what happens if the plaintiff in the non-settled case takes exception to the settlement? Well, again, we have a split among appellate courts. In the Uribe versus Crown Building Maintenance case, the employer had been defending against two concurrent PAGA claims. They were in two different jurisdictions and they were brought by different employees, but they covered basically the same claims. After the employer settled with the plaintiff in the later filed case, the plaintiff in the first filed case sought to intervene and object to the settlement. The court found that the plaintiff in the first filed lawsuit, who was not a party to the second settled case, had an interest in preserving her own pocket case that gave her the right to intervene in the settled case and object to the settlement. On the other hand, in the Toretta versus Lyft case, where Lyft had been defending against three pocket cases, Lyft reached a settlement with the plaintiff in the last of those three cases. The settlement was to cover claims um, that would effectively extinguish all three of the PAGA cases. There, the Court of Appeal held that the plaintiff's status in separate PAGA actions did not give them standing to move or to vacate the trial court's judgment or to challenge the judgment on appeal in the Toronto case. So now the Supreme Court will be deciding if a plaintiff in a representative PAGA lawsuit has the right to intervene, object, or move to vacate a judgment in a related action. How the court answers this question may have a su substantial impact on how employers litigate or attempt to resolve pocket cases where there is pending concurrent litigation. Thanks, Megan. Those will be important cases to watch. Well, that's it for now. You can continue to find our video series and podcasts through the lelawblog.com or on the Weintraub Tobin YouTube channel. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and we look forward to reconnecting with the next edition of California Employment Nation.